Hello listeners and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. Today I'm delighted to say we're back for another boxing special. After hosting both IFL's Andrew McCart and ESBR's Elliot Stock, I'm happy to say Elliot is back with us today and uh, I hope all is well, mate. Yep, all good, thanks mate. Can't, can't complain at all. Good stuff. And as for today's other special guest, he is none other than the point-sized powerhouse himself, Ryland Shelton. How is, how is life, Ryland? Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I can't complain, buddy. Thank you very much. Good, good. Um, I'm, I mean, so pleased you've agreed to come on the podcast, mate. Coming from someone that, to love, that loves to watch you fight. Uh, you know, I told you sort of, uh, you know, off camera, I'm a big fan. I'm sure Elliot is too. I think you've got a you know, fan base that is starting to grow as well, which is brilliant to see. So, you know, yeah, all- you know really, really pleased that you came on here. No, no, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I mean, for any of our listeners that um, don't know Ryland or haven't seen him fight, obviously, he is a professional boxer hailing from Norwich. Uh, he fights under the Matchroom Boxing banner and he fights at super lightweight as well. Eight professional fights, six big wins, one draw and one defeat. And, uh, yeah, I've got some questions, obviously, for Elliot. You're going to go through a couple of... Uh, news topics that have come up over the last couple of weeks and then I'll come back to Brian at the end for some more questions from some of our listeners but moving on and uh, the first question I've got is from our usual host Andy of the usual podcast and basically it's for Rylan uh, in terms of your walkout music now do you have the same walkout music every time if so why and if not, what makes you normally choose which song you pick? So I, I've only had uh, what I have a James Brown uh, boss for my first fight on Sky Sports, and then it was Nina Simone feeling good for the second one. I don't really, I kind of just go with I like older music, um, so old school and stuff that can kind of almost get the crowd like oh yeah this is a good song but it's not just for me i want everyone else to enjoy a good song and nice and chilled as well um i think i may go back to james brown um boss i'll probably have him for my next fight i reckon yeah absolutely i i I like it because it's not often you see you know boxers switching up some of them have the same song for every single fight and i don't mind that if it's if it's a song that you know, you don't really expect coming, but, you know, when there's someone who's had a song that, you know, everyone kind of plays, it's like, it can be a little bit boring, but then again, yeah. you know, it's their choice and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, obviously that, that was from, uh, that was from Andy. And uh, another question from one of our other listeners, again, for Ryland, uh, what made you want to become a professional boxer and sort of how did it all, come about obviously obviously i knew that you were a or i don't know if you still are a chef um yeah yeah pretty much that's the question really okay well so i i had an all right amateur career um and i could always punch really hard so i thought professional game you got the small gloves on and i did turn pro quite late actually i was in about 25 when i turned pro um but i thought i've got to give it a go because even if even if I didn't get anywhere in it, at least I could say that I've turned pro, I've given it a go. <clears throat> and um, 
yeah, it was just the thing I kind of wanted to tick off my bucket list in a way, was just to turn professional and um, put them small gloves on and see how far I can go. And yeah, now here I am. That's brilliant. Like say. It's, it's, it's nice to hear those stories for a change. Obviously, you've got people who come through the amateurs at a very young age and sort of, mm. you know, that's their only kind of goal in life. But as you say, I mean, you, you turn professional quite late. But yeah. You know, as you say, you've you I think you've really taken to the professional game well. And uh yeah, obviously thank you to, to see more fights from you, mate. But also another another one from the same listener. Did you choose your nickname or was it given to you by someone else? Um, I have actually chosen it. Um I all, I'm the smallest out of my group of mates, and a few of them have called me pint size before and and I'm powerful and we all just sat and I thought, oh, well, how about we go for the pint size powerhouse? And then it's kind of just stuck. I mean, it's a long nickname, but it's no one else has got it because a lot of people have got the same kind of ones that get a bit boring. Yeah. So I thought, I'm I'm small, I'm powerful. Why not the pint size powerhouse? And then, yeah, it kind of stuck. And a lot of people seem to like it. So I'm happy with that. I was going to say, it's incredibly unique, isn't it? You're not going to get... Yeah, you won't get that again, will you? And no, probably not. Um, no, that's brilliant, but... I mean, we'll come back to some more questions for Ireland a bit later, but now we're going to go on to the news from the last few weeks and I'm going to get the guys' thoughts on what's been going on. Uh, our first topic of conversation is going to be regarding the highly anticipated press conference between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder ahead of their third fight, in which we saw a bizarre Deontay Wilder that almost refused to answer any questions sat there with sunglasses on, his headphones on. It was almost quite comical how he sat there and made it awkward for everybody else. I think the only person that kind of wasn't awkward was Tyson himself. I think, you know, anyone would have a have a job to do that. But, I mean, he was in fine form himself, digging the fight up as much as he could. And I want to go to Elliot first to get his thoughts on on the whole thing and, you know, what he thought when he, when he first watched it and kind of what you thought after it, mate, as well. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Um, I watched it live actually. I quite, quite like a, a lively press conference, though. Yeah, that wasn't wasn't really lively because not not much happened. Um, it was pretty unique the fact that Wilder just refused to say anything, especially considering he's had a lot to say um, after the rematch with various excuses about the outfit he was wearing or things he had to say about his trainer and his water was spiked. I think there's couple of missed out there uh, I've, I've missed there but um it was all yeah it was just very kind of strange and one thing I'm interested in with is was what Fury if it, if Fury got was Fury a bit annoyed that he couldn't get any sort of reaction from Wilder mm. or was he kind of happy because he's he's clearly kind of in Wilder's head it was interesting to see kind of Fury's Fury's reaction to that but um just kind of very strange to be honest I can kind of understand it from Wilder's perspective because if you start to engage with Fury or um, anyone from the Fury camp, I think it's pretty easy for them to respond with where well, you've made lots of excuses, like, what you know, explain yourself sort of thing. So I can un kind of understand why he didn't want to engage at all. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of very strange that kind of a couple of weeks later, he's come out with a video of making a lot of noise at the gym and doing a bench press and kind of saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. So it's all all very strange and yeah we'll kind of see fight weeks fight fight weeks not not far away now is it so it'd be interesting to see if 
at the five week press conference and at the weigh in and things like that if he's a bit more a bit more vocal before before fight night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all seems very, very odd because it seems like every single thing he's doing at the moment is almost backfiring on him. Like, you know, mm. the other day he put out of himself in the gym, I think it's been sort of memed quite, quite a lot by quite a lot of people, obviously, you know, talking about the weights that he's using and whatnot. And even even since that fight, you know, you mentioned all the, all the excuses that he's used. And I was a bit annoyed that he didn't actually... Mm. any of that at his press conference like he had the opportunity to say it all to Tyson and, and his team and he yeah it. yeah for sure but I, I, but I think the reason why he just didn't say anything because he just knows how personally I just think he knows how ridiculous he would have sounded oh, if he like because yeah the excuse he's come up with if he's trying to say them again and say them say them publicly again I think he knows it's it's delusional he knows he knows that he's just going to look look stupid saying those things again so I just think it's from his perspective, it's probably best, probably best not to. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, I don't know if I don't know if that would have worked in Britain because the press conferences here are can can get quite lively, especially with the insults. I mean, we had obviously uh, one that sticks in my memories: David Hay, Tony Bellew, first one especially. You know, we had some incredible uh, insults held back at each other, and I think you know I like it when you get the the two sort of big tables at a, at a press conference and you've got all the fighters, including the undercard fighters. And I don't think you'd get away with just sitting there with your headphones on and sunglasses. I'm not mm. saying anything like not, not over here anyway. I don't know if you, if, if you yourself, Roland could ever see yourself doing the same thing. No, I feel like, I feel like Wilder didn't say anything just because he, he knows that, that Fury will just out, outbeat him like banter him with all of his ridiculous stuff he'd come out with and he's thought he probably doesn't want to he probably got too caught up in in the first the first fights like with him talking all that rubbish I, I don't know I feel like he just can't beat Fury with the mouth so yeah he's just going to try and keep it shut and and try and get in there and do the business so you could tell you know you know straight from the beginning that he didn't want to be there uh, he obviously he's, he's got to be there to promote the fight in a sense, but you know he wanted to get out there as quickly as he could. I mean the uh, the stare off was a bit again quite quite unique. I've never seen a you know a face off last that long. But... Yeah, that's boring. I, I don't see why he keeps standing stare. I couldn't do that. That would drive me nuts. Just staring at someone for five minutes. <laughs> it, was, it was so weird, especially as it, you know again he had the sunglasses on, his headphones on. Like I don't. It's almost like they're playing that game of. You know, whichever walks away first is kind of the loser and playing the mind yeah. games, which, you know, you're never going to beat Tyson Fury at mind games. You know, he is the master yeah. at it. So, I, I, yeah, in a sense, I can understand why he did what he did, but it was it was just so, so strange. But, mm. Yeah, I mean, moving on um, to our second topic of conversation. And, I mean, we haven't seen too much... Uh, top level British action over the past few weeks. Obviously, there's not been too many fights on Sky and BT, and we've had a couple of uh, MTK shows which have been very entertaining. But over in the States, we've seen Vasily Lomachenko return to the ring following his defeat to Tiafimo Lopez. He came back with a dominant win over Masayoshi Nakatani, and he's already now being linked back with the big names in the division. I've said it before that, in my opinion, that he is still the best in the lightweight division, uh, even though he got beat by Lopez. 
I still think he's, you know, pound for pound, he's, he's up there. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you made of his return to the ring, first of all, and where you'd rank him, you know, in, in that list of the top fives. You know, I'll go to Ryland this time first. Well, I'll be honest, I didn't actually watch the fight. Um, I saw a few highlights of it. Um, I think he's very skillful. His angles and and stuff's very good. I think he's definitely up there with the top lightweights. Um, I just I want to see him fight someone who's got bigger names though, because he's got a big enough name now. He needs to get in there with the likes of Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia and those boys. I'd like him to see him fight them. Um, I don't even know who the guy was that he fought. To be honest. Yeah, I mean. I believe he's got a good reputation, uh, Nakatani, obviously uh, Japanese, if I'm not mistaken. And, mm. you know, I don't think it was touted as, you know, a walkover, but it certainly was never going to be, you know, a tough, tough fight for him to come back to. But yeah, I, I see what you mean 100%. You know, we want to see him now in there with with some of the other big names in the division. Obviously, he's got a... Uh, I feel like he's got a good resume, though, Lomachenko, when you look at some of his past names. But... For sure. Yeah, he's a brilliant boxer. He's a, he's an amazing boxer. He, he he's been mixing with the best for a long time, but he needs to, yeah, stay in with the best. I, I feel like that's it. I mean, age age is not on his side either. I believe he's now thirty four. So yeah, he's getting on. Yeah, he's not going to get. You know, obviously, he's not getting any younger. So you, you feel like the next sort of twelve to eighteen months is going to be critical for for his. For his legacy, I think, you know, obviously, again, you mentioned there, he's so incredibly skillful. Like, you mentioned the angles there, you know, I, I watched the fight and how he moves around the ring is just, you know, it's almost bizarre how he actually does it all. But, yeah, it's, yeah. You know, I love watching him. I mean, I don't know what, Elliot, I don't know what you made of the um, the fight and the whole situation. Yeah, I thought, like, I thought Lomachenko looked good, but I think that, um, I think they were gonna they were gonna put him against someone that was I don't want to say made for him, but someone who wasn't gonna cause him too much trouble in his in his comeback fight. Um, but no, I thought he looked good. He looked like a man possessed. So I think he's clearly still kind of got the hunger to compete at the top top level. Um, but no, I thought he was good. But I just I think just what I question is is he a, an elite fighter at lightweight? I think that he has been like he has been disrespected since the loss to um, Tifimo Lopez and kind of written off and not been kind of included as one of kind of the kings of that division, along with, you know, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, et cetera. Um, but no, he's still a top fighter and I think he will be for some time to come. But I just question how much of, of a force he'll be at lightweight. Um, and yeah, if the rematch with Lopez happens, it'll be interesting, but very, you know, very, 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 very tough fight. and. Personally, just I wouldn't mind seeing him. I personally look looking at him. I think he could still make featherweight, so I wouldn't mind him perhaps investigating other weights rather than trying to compete with guys that are so much naturally and and younger than him. But like all these guys like Ryan Garcia, Javante Davis, Haney Lopez, they're all you know eight, nine, ten, even even more years younger than him. Yeah, um, it's difficult. It's difficult. But no, we'll, we'll we'll see if we see can can see that Lopez rematch. Hundred percent. Like I say, he's not. You mentioned today he's not the biggest guy at you know in that weight class so for sure we i think we could see him you know down a class i think he's looking at it you know the big money fights i think for sure are 
currently in the lightweight division with all of those names. And I think we could see a situation where if most of those guys do fight each other, I think if they all fought each other two or three times, we'd see different results every time because they're all they're all world class in my opinion. And uh, I just don't. I, I think if he fought Lopez again, I wouldn't be shocked to see another you know, different result. Um, but again, we need to sort of see these guys being put in with each other because at the moment it seems like their promoters are all, are all keeping them apart, which yeah. is not good for the division, not good for boxing, uh, and not good, good for themselves. I know they're all young, apart from Lomachenko. And, I um, mean, you've still got Luke Campbell in the mix as well, whether he'll sort of come back against uh, one of those names in the future. Because, again, he's, you know, Ryan Garcia used um, his name, obviously, well to get that win over him. You know, it's a big, big win for Ryan Garcia, obviously. Someone else who's now coming with sort of looking to get back into the ring as well. Had a little bit of a hiatus, uh, you know, had a few um, problems in his personal life, but for sure, I think uh, it's definitely an interesting time for that division and hopefully we see some good fights, you know, get announced as soon as possible. But yeah, moving on to the British action and we've seen lately Matchroom's fight camp schedule be announced with some very, very good cards lined up, including Connor Ben, Kid Galahad, Joshua Boatsy. They're all in tough fights, plus some great undercard action as well. I know I want to ask both guys which fight that they're most excited for throughout any of the three cards, doesn't matter if it's the main event or not. And if they can see any surprise defeats coming, uh, I'll go back to Elliot this time as well for these ones. Yes, I think, yeah, the, the fight I'm kind of looking forward to most is the Kid Galahad, Jazza Dickens yeah. rematch, um, except for, for a world title this time. I remember the first fight, which must be eight, nine years ago now, possibly. So there's been quite a big, big gap between, between, between the two fights. Um, I think both fighters are kind of quite, yeah, I think they're both quite different. Um, I think they're both both improved a lot since their since the last since 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 the first fight a few years ago, um, and it's really what I love about it most. It's a genuine, in my opinion, it's a genuine 50-50 fight that I wouldn't kind of I wouldn't like to predict to be honest. Um, I think it will. Think one thing that I'm confident about is it will go. It will go. Um, but yeah, that's the one I'm I'm most looking forward to. Um, in terms of in terms of upsets, I'm not sure there's there's too much that springs to mind. I think one fight that I'm kind of I'm intrigued by is the Avni Ildrum Jack Cullen fight. Mm. Just because Jack, I think Jack Cullen's on had a good couple of wins, especially against John Doherty. Um, whereas Avni Ildrum, with respect, kind of went up against Canelo, and I feel like he kind of froze for three rounds and that and that was it so we don't really kind of really know what he's about and yeah so that's kind of I'm not saying it's going to be I don't know I couldn't guarantee it's going to be a great fight we don't know but it's, it's definitely it's definitely one that I don't think many people saw coming and yeah it's definitely definitely an, an intriguing one. No absolutely because I had to sort of you know take a second look when I saw that fight announced I had to sort of look to see if there was another fighter Paul Danby uh, Yildrum because <laughs> I thought like, how can you go from fighting Canelo in the States to then fighting on a you know on a matchroom 
fight camp undercard against Jack Cullen. Like, it doesn't kind of work. I mean, credit Eddie Hearn and Matchroom for, for getting him on there because it's, it's a big name. And obviously, if Jack Cullen can get that win, obviously, that's a huge name on his resume for him as well. So, I was, I was a bit surprised, really. But again, I, I feel like all three cards uh, you know, have been put together really well. There looks to be so many great competitive fights. I mean, I'll go back to uh, to Ryland, uh, you know, the same sort of questions to you, really, mate. All right. So um, I think, yeah, the Jazzy Dickens fight is the one I'm looking forward to because I want Jazzy Dickens to smash it and get his world title. Um, also, I want to, I'm looking forward to seeing the Marku fight. Hopefully he gets ironed out just because he's a prick. Um, <laughs> and then who else? Uh I think that's, yeah, I don't really know who else is on the cards. To be honest, I'm not really up to date with all the old boxing. I, 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 I do it myself, but I don't really watch it too much, to be honest. But I think I want to see Marco get ironed out and I want to see Jazzy Dickens win the world title. <laughs> As I said, I don't think there's much love lost there between um, between you and Floyd Marco, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> 100%, I mean... Um, I'll, I'll do a quick run through of, of, of the cards anyway. I mean, the first one is obviously Conor Ben versus uh, Adrian Granados. I think that'll be an all-out, you know, war for a few rounds until hopefully Conor Ben, um, you know, gets the knockout. Mm. And obviously, the undercard fact, you've got Campbell Hatton. You've got uh, Tommy McCarthy against Chris Billum smith which I believe is for the European um, title. Not 100% sure, but I believe that's correct. Um you then got uh, Sandy Ryan, I believe, making her debut. Uh, Shannon Courtney, Fowler, and obviously uh, Andrew Yildrum against Jack Cullen. So, I mean, we I also want to see Shannon Courtney get ironed out as well. <laughs> That's <laughs> one I'm actually looking forward to because I ain't a fan of her. But <laughs> yeah, I just want to see. I shouldn't really be saying this to be honest. That I want to see British fighters get beat up, but um, yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone has their opinions, you know. Not. Certainly, everyone in the British um, boxing sort of community, there's not a few people who certainly don't get on. So, you know, by all means, you know, voice your opinion, mate. I mean, you know, looking at Wheatley, obviously, we've spoken about um, Kid Galahad against Chaz Dickens. You've got Fabio Wardley on there, someone uh, who I follow as well, quite like Fabio. Uh, yeah. me. Um, Babich, you know, what. He, he, he's really starting to develop a cult following he is. I, I don't think anyone sort of can get sort of bored watching him fight. It's just... Yeah, he's a cool guy. I like him. Yeah, he seems he seems like he, he's someone that you'd want to be around and you know, sit in yeah. for, for quite a long time. So I love that one. You know, again, Ebony Bridges returned on that card as well in a, in a competitive fight. You know, I'm mate, looking forward to seeing the weigh-in for that one. I think I think you and most other people are, to be honest. I definitely made headlines um, the last time she fought, anyway. But yeah. I thought she, you know, that was again that was a cracking fight. I think again, women's boxing is just coming on leaps and bounds. Every single fight I seem to watch, you don't ever really get a boring one. Like you know, you don't see many knockouts, obviously, because you know mm. some of them don't. Unless you sort of move up the divisions, you don't really get the power, but. You know, they, they just absolutely go for it from the first bell and it's just all-out action, which is wonderful to see. Uh, and obviously, week three, Joshua Barazzi against 
Bolot, I can't even put Bolot, Bolotniks, I think is how you pronounce his name. And another undefeated fighter. I think that will be a very intriguing matchup. A lot has been made of uh, Bolotniks. So very. I was actually supposed to be boxing on that card on the Boatsi one. Um, oh, really? The fight pulled uh, pulled through, which is I didn't pull through, which is a pain. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a real shame. Yeah, I'd love to have got on the undercard with Joshua Boatsi because he is one of my favourite fighters. Actually, I do like him a lot. I was going to say I don't think anyone could physically dislike Joshua Boatsi. He seems like such a lovely guy, both in and out of the ring. Like you'd never hear a bad word spoken about him. And uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, I really do hope he uh, he gets to win and keeps on progressing. Again, another another women's fighter, Savannah Marshall, defending her world title on the card. Those of Cash Farouk, uh, Felix Cash as well. So again, and I was really impressed. You know, I wasn't expecting the level of undercards in any of those fights, considering none of them obviously are on Sky Box Office with uh, Eddie and Matchroom moving over to the zone and. I don't think you're going to get too many complaints now about pricing, for, especially for watching it. In terms of fight camp tickets, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that made quite a bit of uh, the headlines as well. I, I have to say I was incredibly disappointed because I was hoping myself to try and get a ticket. I mean, there they was always going to be, you know, like um, like gold to try and get hold of them. But when I saw that they were £750 a ticket, that's just... Do you get food and drink for that? Or I did see there was beverages and food there, but I didn't know if that came in with a ticket price. You'd expect it at a price like that. I believe you do. Um, yeah. Even, even for that, I think, you know, that's... I know it's... Ridiculous. The whole, the whole experience, obviously, would be incredible. But even so, you know, you're, you're talking... You know, that, that, that's like two months' rent for a lot of people. That's just... Yeah, it's silly, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I don't think there was... A, I mean, people will buy them because there's people out there with with too much, with too much money anyway. But even so, I think um, you know the, the more hardcore sort of regular British fight fans have been have been done there. But yeah, I mean, uh, moving sort of back now to uh, to Ireland for some quick fire questions as well. Um, I didn't want to go too deep into into the Flory Marku fight. Uh, obviously, I was you know. I still am a big fan of yours and I really wanted you to win the fight. Obviously, it didn't go your way. Mm. What, what do you think went wrong for you against him? And if you rematched him in the future, how do you think you would beat him and do you think you would beat him? I personally think what went wrong was I was fighting a weight that is far too big for me. Um, I mean, I always look, I sound a bit big headed there, but I always look kind of good on the scales. Um, so everyone thinks, oh, he's shredded up, so he must have dehydrated and got down to the weight. But I've I've always just walked around unfit at ten stone seven, which is welterweight limit. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to. I need. I'm a lightweight fighter. I'm a natural lightweight or light welterweight fighter. Um, so the weight was one big thing. Uh, the second thing was I didn't really have me and my train didn't really have much of a game plan to be honest. Marku did box very well. He um, he didn't box how I'd seen him before. Like I'd been watching these videos. The Jamie Stewart fight was, I mean, Jamie Stewart, uh, credit to him, but he ain't he ain't like a, the best boxer in the world. And and 
Marco couldn't even wipe him out. And I thought, like, if he can't beat a geezer like that Jamie Stewart, then, I mean, I, I'm, I thought I was going to walk through him. So I underestimated him mm-hmm. and didn't have much of a game plan. All I wanted to do was just run at him and, and kind of knock him out. But, yeah, it didn't happen. I just got myself beat up kind of thing. So he did do well. But next, if I ever fought him again, I would make him get down to lightweight. So he's completely drained. And then I'd hit him with a baseball bat. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I'd just get him down to lightweight and then um, go from there. No, absolutely. Like I say, it was, uh, it was an intense build-up and I thought it was an exciting fight as well. I mean, it was just, again, it was action all rounds. And like I say, it didn't go your way this time. But again, we've seen many, many, many top-class fighters you know, get get one, two, three, four. I mean, you look at Derek Chisora, how many defeats he's had, and you know the, the career yeah. has been, you know, has been excellent, really. So, you know, it's definitely not the end of the world. And I mean, it, I, on, I also feel like um, it's good. It's good getting rid of the 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 O. Like everyone always goes on about oh, undefeated, undefeated, undefeated. But anyone could be undefeated if they've never boxed anyone. Like I yeah. know big boxers from Norwich that where I live and, and they're all undefeated and it's like you, you've never boxed anyone other than journeyman. So it doesn't really mean nothing. The, the, the O on records. I feel like I don't mind having a loss because I've, I've boxed some people and it's fine. There's, there's zero pressure now, Like the next fight I get in, there's no pressure. So it's just get in there and, and do the job kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, it moves well on to my next question being that obviously you mentioned there that, you weren't, you know, too comfortable at, at the weight. So do you see your future at that weight or do you think you will come back down to, to lightweight or? Uh... So I would like to get down to, I'd like to get down to lightweight. Mm-hmm. I think my next fight back may be lightweight or maybe light welterweight. Mm-hmm. So 140 pounds. Um, but I'm definitely not fighting at welterweight again. Uh, 147 pounds was just too big for me. Um and I just want to I want to be able to actually um, make weight and, and kind of diet a little bit. because I've never had to do that because fighting the world's weight, you just don't really need to. I don't really need to do it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting in there and fighting a, a lightweight or light world weight. And really, my power will come out then because at world weight, they're not as affected by my punching power. And that's my biggest asset. So, yeah. Lightweight, light welterweight is where I'll take over, I think. 100%. I mean, I think we've seen a similar situation with um, Lewis Ritson. And you know, I'm a big fan of Lewis. And we obviously, we saw him, you know, going through guys, you know, fight after fight after fight. You know, he, he, he moved up in weight. Obviously, he's gone up a level as well in terms of opposition. But he doesn't now seem to, you know, carry that same power. And obviously with you now going back down weight class as well, I think we're going to see a lot more, hopefully a lot more knockouts from your side of things as well. But- yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I feel like Marku, I, I mean, I managed to put him down, but I mean, if he was a lightweight, I'm sure he wouldn't have got up kind of thing. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's I will be more effective at, at that weight for sure. Absolutely. I mean, um, I don't know what your, your, your situation is in terms of your, your next fight would, Will that still be under Matt Truman and Eddie, or? Uh... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm contracted with Eddie Hearn for two more fights. So, okay. Uh, yeah, I was supposed to be on the the fight camp number three, 
um, but it didn't pull off. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully I'll have a date um, in the next next couple of weeks. I I, I hope so. Uh, maybe um, September on the Josh Warrington undercard. That'd be one that I might try and go for. I mean that again. I think that'd be an incredible experience. You know, I don't. Again, Josh Warrington is is an incredible fighter. Another one who you know I love watching. And I I don't know. I believe it's at Headingley. If I'm not mistaken, or I'm not actually quite sure. Maybe. Yeah, certainly from what I've seen from from Eddie and his interviews with um, with Coogan. But yeah, I think I'm sparring Josh Warrington next week, so Ooh. I'll find out. Wow, that'll be that'll definitely be a yeah, it'd be a great spar. That oh, absolutely. I mean, um, Ellie, I don't know if you have any um, questions for Ryan yourself. Um. I don't think anything that um that you've not covered covered, mate. I think one thing I'm interested to ask Ryan about was just to kind of your height, really, mate. If I'm being honest, apologies if you, if you get asked about that a lot, but over um amateur and pro, have you like mostly gone up against guys that are taller than you? Um, and if so, is that what you're kind of used to now, or is that not the case if you fought a lot of guys who are around your height as well? So I am I say. I'm five foot seven. I'm pretty sure I am, but people always say, no, you're five foot six and, <laughs> and every inch counts at this size. So <laughs> I say, I say I'm five, seven. And in the amateur days, I boxed quite a lot of tall people. Everyone's a lot taller than me, which I don't mind. I don't mind them being tall. Um, Cause I quite like the tall skinny ones. They're easy to kind of snap in half and cut down. But um, when it comes to when I was sparring for the, um, for the Marku fight, I was sparring some welterweights who were like six foot and six foot one. And it's like, Jesus, were we actually the same weight here? We, like, <laughs> you could clearly see that I was not a welterweight in all the sparring. Um, but yeah, I don't mind. I'm used to fighting taller people nowadays. Yeah, no, great stuff. Um, I think the other question is obviously like, it's great that you're kind of, you know, flexible with what, um, with what weight you you went to fight at whether it's that kind of like lightweight or or like welterweight but in kind of like the next 12 months say is there what what's what's the aim what do you want for the next 12 months is that is there like a specific title that you want to fight for is there an opponent that you're kind of i'm not asking you to call someone out but that you're really that you're really you'd, you'd like to fight in the, in the next in the next 12 months what's what's what's, what's the plan so um plan is um it'd be nice to have an english title i'd like to have an english title um and if i if i was really clued up with all of the people at my kind of level and and weight and stuff i'd be calling them out but i really ain't got a clue who's a lightweight that i'd like yeah, <laughs> or yeah. who even holds the title but anyone that's got a title at lightweight i'll i'll fight you simple as that i just want to fight anyone i want to fight good people i want to fight people who've got names um yeah anyone really with a belt at lightweight or light light welterweight but i'd rather lightweight um and yeah go from there kind of thing get an english title would be great nice one. well i mean i think i feel like boxing is just going to be buzzing soon once now that crowds are allowed back and when we're allowed kind of full arenas again i think there's going to be so so many opportunities for for someone for someone like yourself um i think final question from me really is mate what's what was it like? Um, did you, yeah, you, so you were two fights behind closed doors, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, just two. Yes. Yeah, so like, what was, 
just what was that like really not just like the fight itself what was it like kind of knowing you were going to an empty arena and kind of you know there being I don't want to say I start I don't want to speak for you and say kind of like a lack of a lack of buzz beforehand but just if you could just discuss kind of the experience even stuff like kind of being at a weigh-in and there not being that many people there that sort of thing um well I'll be honest I've never um I always boxed on small hall shows so I came from a small hall boxing where you have to sell loads and loads of tickets just to try and fight and I'd box in uh York Hall um and little leisure centers and and they weren't on very big, well-named shows. So they were half, like, they were empty halls anyway kind of thing. A few people clapping and stuff. But I, I didn't mind the fact it was um, empty. I liked it because it was more ferocious, I thought, because you get close together. You can hear you can hear them us breathing. You can hear the punches slapping on the skin. You can, you can hear, like, no, weird noises that we're making kind of thing like grunting and stuff and I like that side of it I quite enjoyed it yeah um I am looking forward to boxing in front of a crowd though because I do want to get the atmosphere and I'm sure I'm going to be even hungrier when I have got people screaming for me um but I honestly didn't mind fighting in empty arenas I, I thought it was okay yeah and you mentioned people people screaming there I think as like a, a viewer and obviously a, a tv viewer at those shows one thing I was interested in was um, like you could obviously hear um, the corners and you could hear kind of the odd person that was there, not a crowd member, but whether it was kind of someone's manager or someone's family member that was there. Um, did you ever like try and try and listen in to what your opponent's corner was shouting at them or like in between rounds? Could, could you hear what was what was being said at all? Yeah, yeah, you could hear what was being said, um, which can, can be handy. I mean, I could hear... Um, my corner saying telling me to do stuff some instructions which is handy um, mm. but it's also it's a bit daunting especially when you can hear the other corner when um, you've been rocked or something and then and then like I'll oh, finish him do something you can hear you know you've been hurt kind of thing with a market yeah. fight and you can hear the corner saying he's done he's finished and all this kind of stuff then it's a little bit like oh like it's a bit bit intense but it's all part of the fun I feel like it's all quite exciting yeah no, cool. No, thanks. That was yeah, interest, interesting insight. Obviously, um, hopefully, kind of behind closed doors shows are are over now. But yeah, no, it's great, great to hear what the experience was like. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Like, like I say, I I live about sort of thirty minutes away from Norwich. Um, I thought I recognised the accent. <laughs> I, I get I get so much stick for. Oh, don't worry. Literally, like that's a good one. I love the old Norfolk accent. It's lovely. Yeah, no, I've lived, like I said, I've lived around here all my life, but I, I just love to see fighters, especially from this region, um, get getting an opportunity. Obviously, we've seen further down, obviously, in Ipswich with Fabio Wardley, you know, starting to come through the ranks as well. Uh, Jordan Gill, I believe, as well, hails from Peterborough, so not too far from, from, from either of us as well, so... Again, that's a that's a great thing to see, and I don't know if your if your ticket selling days are behind you now or not, but for sure, if they're not, then um, for your next for your next fight, definitely, I'm I'm definitely keen on one. Awesome, yeah, I'm pretty sure now I've built up a little bit of a fan base, so selling tickets won't be as hard as it used to be because it was very hard work, especially I turned professional, uh, London based, but I live in Norwich, so it wasn't just selling tickets in Norwich it was getting my fans to the fight it was a nightmare but now I feel like I built up a fan base 
um, tickets won't be such a problem anymore. Oh, 100%. Like I said, especially for my last three folds as well. They've been so, you know, although the last one didn't go your way, they've still been incredibly, you know, exciting to watch. And I feel like that's just what fans want. And ultimately, I always liken it to, a, to the situation uh, we have with Lawrence O'Coley. Like, he's an incredibly talented boxer, but we've seen so many of his fights that have just been sort of quite negative and, you know, not been fun to watch. And I feel like that's, you know, hurt him a little bit. But yeah, always kind of this. I mean, I've, I've been one myself who's, you know, criticised these fighters for doing certain things and that. But I think one thing that, that always, like, gets me is, like, I don't have, obviously, a great boxing experience. I've, you know, I've only... I only got into the ring, obviously, at an amateur level, um, you know, about two years ago now. And when you get in there for the first time, you realise how how daunting it actually is up against someone, especially, and I mean, that's only with head guards and everything on as well. So I can only imagine what it's like in the pro ranks. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever got, you know, nervous before a fight or, you know, a bit like... <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, a lot of fighters, you know, often say, you know, no, they give it all the, you know, the Billy Big Bollocks and try and act, you know, tough and whatnot. I, I, I always like the honesty you get from, from other fighters who say, you know, I am a bit nervous, you know, I don't know what will happen. And Yeah, know. the truth is that everyone tries to, as being a boxer, you're supposed to be hard. You're supposed to um, not show fear and all that. But every single boxer that says that they don't get nervous is, is a liar. Every single person you step in that ring, you know that, you're going to get punched in the face. Um, you, you could get knocked out. Everyone's nervous. You you get adrenaline. You just learn how to control it a little bit better. Um, I still I still get stupid amounts of adrenaline. Like even when I spar, when I when I'm sparring, I'm like, oh, I'm getting excited. I I start getting adrenaline. Like it is it's a lie when people say they don't get nervous because everyone does. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um I mean, I think that's all my questions anyway for today. Um, and I think we've, you know, we've done a good 45 minutes. It's been, it's been really good chatting to both of you guys today. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful again for both of you taking the time out of your days as well to, to come on and, you know, help. No, you're very welcome. Support our podcast. Like I say, I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Ryan, especially for your spa next week against Josh. Thank you very much. Hope it all goes well, mate. And, um, Again, I'll be, you know, definitely at your next fight, 100%, especially if it's in Leeds. You know, I love Leeds. And, yeah, just uh, I hope things, you know, turn for you, mate, and you start getting some wins under your belt and hopefully start picking some titles up. Lovely. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Thank you, mate. And, uh, again, yeah, thank you to Elliot as well, part of the um, Eastly Boxing Repeat platform. Again, if you haven't checked it out, please do. It's you know, some great, great content on there. Brilliant interviews with a lot of fighters, keeping you up to date as well with all the latest news. Elliot himself is a very knowledgeable guy, so do check them out on Twitter and on YouTube as well. And again, yeah, thank you, Elliot, for, for taking your time as well, mate. Yeah, no worries at all, mate. Th thanks for having me on. Really, really, really enjoyed it again. And um, yeah, Ryland, all, all the best, mate. Nice, nice meeting you. Um, all the all will be via Zoom. And yeah, looking forward to, to hearing fight news about, about yourself soon. Lovely. Thanks very much. Nice to speak to you. Take care, guys. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers.